Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove. I'm joined by John Gibson. We would usually be doing our match preview with Crystal Palace, the visitors to St. James's Park. But we're going to talk first about Newcastle's 2-1 win over Leicester City once again at St James's Park Fortress St James's Park indeed John. indeed I mean there are many points in which we could start this episode but I'm going to start with that last minute winner from Bruno Gamarash just explain to me your feelings when he jumps up heads that in at the back of the net oh I mean absolutely wonderful because it was spectacular uh, it was dramatic there wasn't time for Leicester to come back. It maintained the record of five successive home wins. Uh, it epitomised everything Newcastle's about because it had a fight and scrap and, uh, to get the result. Uh, and it was a, a terrific performance, not in terms of fluid football, but in terms of digging in working all in this stuff you don't normally see working off the ball uh, keeping his shape etc etc Newcastle did and for Bruno to be the man that scored it I mean phenomenal because the guy had run himself into the ground he picked up a bit of a back injury which needed treatment during the half time interval and he must have ran 80 yards in support of Willock um, through the middle with no guarantee the ball would come to him but that is how keen determined that he is and the scenes and a flying head I mean that's what we love isn't it I mean the scenes afterwards of joy from his point of view as well as the fans he just absolutely loves it come on television spoke in English and spoke very well in English. I mean, we didn't... He's supposed to be having English lessons and here he was speaking it quite well. I do have to say, Bruno, if you're listening, I know that's a long shot. You said yeah. you'd like to play 100 more games at St. James's Park. If you could please revise that on behalf of Newcastle United <laughs> fans and make it a 1,000 or so, I'm sure that would go down slightly better than 100. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we said, and we've said for a long time, and we're not geniuses, every Newcastle fan said it. He, this guy's the real deal. Uh, there's absolutely no question. But what we love, we expect Brazilians to be silky skilled, uh, flick the ball up the trouser leg, over the back of the shoulder, do all that, but be lazy when they haven't got the ball, stand around a little bit arrogantly saying, you win the ball, give it to me, and I'll set off and win the game for you. This guy's got a bit of everything. It's not necessarily Brazilian, a bit of a lot that's English, like getting his, his body between ball and opponent, like snapping into a tackle, uh, like enthusiasm off the ball to work hard. I mean, isn't it wonderful that he ran 80 yards to head the winner in the 94th minute 
keep Newcastle's record going, and he'd never scored a header in his whole of his career. I mean, that is terrific. And it was a super goal. It was two goals from This guy doesn't do ordinary goals. He's not supposed to do goals. It was admitted by Eddie Howe afterwards. What it said on the tin when Newcastle were looking to buy him is that he's a, a first-class defensive midfielder. Well, he looks he looks a first-class attacking midfielder as well on, on the way he looked with Newcastle. Now, he doesn't do ordinary goals. I mean, his first goal in the win at Southampton was audacious. I mean, for me, that'll live in the memory for an awful long time and will be in my future top 10 Newcastle United goals without a shadow of doubt. When we did it recently, Andrew, it was before he did that that it was recorded. Uh, Sensational. Backflip, sensational. The equaliser, wonderful. He's lying on the deck. Kasper Schmeichel can't hold the ball and he, he has the foresight to flick it twice with his foot and in it goes. Perfect goal, wasn't a foul. The referee did what all referees used to do in the old day. Thank goodness for VAR in this case, we'll say, when we don't often say that. But if you touch the goalkeeper or breathe heavily on the back of his neck in the old days, it was a foul. But on that, and I, I wanted, we'll talk about Bruno's goal-scoring record in a moment as well, but on the first goal... yes. I can't understand why the referee actually went to the screen. Now, maybe someone can correct me if I misunderstand the rules of VAR. He has got someone in his ear that looks at that replay and can clearly see there's no foul. Yeah. But he sent him to the screen. I think, again, this is just my opinion, Andrew. I think they're trying to save the face of referees. So the referees end up still making that, the decision. I mean, that was a waste of two minutes, so anyone could see there was no foul. It, I loved it, because the minute he went to screen, I knew he was going to reverse his decision. When, how often, and it has happened, but how often do they come back from the screen and say, no, it's a free kick? They don't often do that. The minute they go at the screen, we know it's a goal. Uh, I think, I think there is a feeling that, look, allow the referee to make the decisions. VAR will tell if VAR tells the ref in his earpiece go to the screen. They're actually telling the ref you've got it wrong. You should reverse it, but the referee reverses it, not the VAR guy. And I think it's a lot to do with the dignity of the referee make, mm. continuing to make the final decision as he always has done. But in the old days, that would never have been given because the minute you looked it, it, it a goalkeeper the wrong way. Mind if in the fifties, when the in the sixties, when um, they were charging goalkeepers into the back of the net, when he had the ball in his hands, which is what happened in the cup final, was different. But these days, if you look at a goalkeeper, it's a foul, uh, and so that was going to have foul written all over it. And when you watched it, it wasn't a foul whatsoever. So that was a very unusual goal after his back flick. And then a diving header having run 80 yards. I mean, you know, this guy doesn't do uh, the dull. You see, he's not meant to score goals. We did the introducing Bruno Gamaresh podcast with Jonathan Johnson, who covers Ligun. And he said in so many words that don't expect goals. He's got everything but the goals. He's now scored 3 11 at Newcastle, which is more than he scored at his time at, 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 at Leon. So something's just. Clicking for him, I guess, on Tyneside. I think I think it's not just clicking for him, Andrew. I think it's the mentality of somebody like Eddie Howe, who's a forward-thinking coach. He's a front-foot coach, not a defensive coach. And while he 
bought him as the defensive midfielder and we did need that in there, that shield, that ability to snap and get the ball. He is seen in training and in early matches that when he gets forward, he can get it and, and get his head up and pick passes and have a go at finishing. And I think he's encouraged. He scored a couple since he came here. It certainly won for Brazil. Brazil yeah. Well, um, and I, I think they've just seen... So, I mean, Joe Linton was a centre-forward who was moved back to midfield. Why can't this be a defensive midfielder who becomes an attacking midfielder? Well, a lot of people who, who watch French football a lot, a lot more than I do, and I watch none of French football, yeah. so that's, that's easy to do. If said, he's playing in a slightly different position to what he played yes. at Lyon. And, and John Joe Shelby's actually helping in many ways by being that kind of first yeah. centre midfielder back and allowing Bruno to... John Joe loves that because he doesn't have to go <laughs> box to box, which is quite exhausting for John Joe. So he'll sit and ping the ball about all day long. Can you imagine, and I'm not having a go at him, but it, it isn't John Joe's strength to make that 80-yard run at the end and throw himself at the ball and, and stick it in the top corner with his nut. I don't think that's quite John Joe. So, but to, to be truthful... It works. The partnership yeah. works, and that's all that matters. May I just say, which is very interesting, on Newcastle United, and I know I bang on about goals, but it's only because I've, I adore number nine legends. Uh, and no, I'm not going to mention our number nine. I, I'm just simply going to say that those two goals in that match, and bearing in mind the guy's just come, Bruno, is now our third top goal scorer. <laughs> uh, now, does that tell you what we've got to do in the summer? He's, he's suddenly gone from one to three, and he's our third top goalscorer behind Callum Wilson with six, who hasn't played since Christmas, and some maximum with five, who's forgotten how to score again. And he's now our third yeah. top goalscorer, so we definitely need to get attackers. But it was wonderful. Uh, I was chuffed to bits. It was tough going, and we had the bottle to yes. do it. Definitely. Let's just talk a bit more about that second goal because watching it, I felt previous Newcastle teams, even under Eddie Howe, right at the start of his tenure, they would have just belted that ball forward. They would have just, Matt Target would have, would have belted it in the crowd or belted it forward for, for whoever to get on the end of and just waste a little more time. There was only 30 seconds or so, wasn't it? If, if even that left of the, the extra time. But no, he picks out a pass, he's controlled, and he, you know, he's, he's sure in what he's doing. Willick off the bench, fresh legs, beats the man, beats Tielemans down the left, you know, a good cross, like you say, Bruno's running in. It, it, there just seems to be a different mentality about Newcastle because, United. Yes, I think there is, but there's, because there's a different confidence about Newcastle. When they played under the old regime and when they played when Howe first came, you know, before we got the influx of January signs, etc., you couldn't do much with the type of team we had. You couldn't change the stuff. We hadn't the capability of playing the ball. We've got that capability now. Um, and it's showing, and we're more adventurous and we're more confident on the ball to have a go. I mean, it was a wonderful move. We, we are obs obsessed and sure we should be about Bruno's finish. But the way Target came out with the ball from the back, fed Willick, Willick did magnificently. All right, there's no question, a little bit of luck on his cross, the, the defender close in on him, hits his, his foot and looped up to be a beautiful height and 
Bruno didn't have to change uh, his stride at all. So that went well. But let's give a bit of credit. It, it was Bruno at the end of it. It was spectacular. It was a winner. But Target and Willick did exceptionally well in the build-up as well. And there's a few other things that I noticed. I noticed Joe Linton getting brought down by Mendy and Mendy still coming off worse. I tweeted about that and Leicester fans didn't like it so much. They're pointing out that Mendy's about four foot nine and it was a, it was a disgrace. One fan tweeted me that Joe Linton ended up going to the floor. I mean, he, did, he was in a headlock and he still came off worse. And then we have Dwight Gale as well. He took uh, Sinanchu away from the centre of the pitch. Now, obviously, Dwight Gale's brought on the pitch to score goals. He's he's not in favour of anyhow, or, or, the, or, or he wasn't under Steve Bruce either. But that was an important moment because he creates the space for Bruno Gamaresh to run into and get his head on it. Yeah, if ever there was a yesterday's man, um, and it's not my opinion or anybody else's opinion, but it was Bruce's opinion and, and it's Eddie Howe's opinion. It was Gale. And if ever we needed confirmation, and we didn't because Newcastle's top goal scorer, as I say, has been injured since Christmas and Gale hasn't started in the Premier League in that time. When you think about it, when Newcastle's number nine target man, Chris Wood, went off with 20 minutes to go, he wasn't replaced like for like with Gale. He was replaced with Willick and... Sam Maximum went from being a winger to, to through the middle. And we're 1-1 looking for a winner, but and you've got a centre-forward on the bench, but you don't want to use him. He comes up to come on with the, nine, the 90th minute. The board's going up both for him and for the, the amount of time added, which was four minutes, and you bring him on with four minutes. You're not showing an awful lot of faith with him, and I'm hardly criticising Eddie Howe because he's getting everything right that he touches, turns to gold. Um, but it shows you that Gale just is not in the running whatsoever. Good attitude, doesn't it? I mean, because to, to, he, he's not, we've discussed this previously, he, he's not dumb, Dwight Gale. He, he, he knows that he's probably going to be away in the summer of the right cash bid comes in and, you know, it must be frustrating for him not to be getting game time. Of course time. it is. Of but yet, course it is. As we've previously mentioned, you know, Lascelles revealed he was uh, Gail was top of the, the 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 table in training, and he's come off the bench. And every time he comes off, he does put his all on. I know it's probably only for so about why, thirty why seconds. So why why doesn't he get more time than on the pitch? Well, that's 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 the question, isn't it? I know only Eddie Howe knows that, but like you say, Eddie Howe is making the call, and everything he's done so far is working out well. Yeah, we can't we can't dispute it, and I think. Don't get me wrong with Gale. I think long term, I would have sold Gale anyway yeah. this summer when you get a better striker. But just when Wilson was injured and Wood wasn't hitting the goals and the only other through the middle striker is Gale, I would have thought he would get more time on the pitch. I think that he is basically a, a championship centre forward and he ought to be sold in the summer for our sake and for his sake. Um, but, uh, you know, that match told me everything I needed to know about Dwight is when you're 1-1 and you prefer to move a winger to centre forward and you still don't bring him on when you're looking for a goal and you don't bring him on until the 90th minute, um, 
which isn't giving them much time to score three. And I know he could have been on the end of the the Buna one, but uh, but that's only a sideshow at the moment. Let's concentrate on what is really important, which is not griping about why Gale isn't on the pitch more often, but the fact that Newcastle are getting it right time and time again. And may I just add that a, a man, there's so many players of Newcastle players. The biggest compliment I can give to Eddie Howe was that Newcastle United players, who I felt were on the way out and had no future here, are now becoming top men. And that's everybody from Joe Linton to Ryan Fraser and and now Emil Kraft, who was third behind, in January, he was third behind Trippier and Manquillo. He was seen as something of a joke figure to Newcastle United fans or something worse that would be hit by a volley of words and now the fans have warmed to him and taken to him and he's looking like a Swedish international he is, and, and good I, for him I have to say you know I started the Emil Kraft fan club a long time ago and finally the numbers are starting to creep up I've had a lot of interest because we've been singing well I've been singing his praises for a while yep. don't yeah think, I don't think many people agreed a few months ago but there's, there's been that little bit of Yes, there's gradual improvement. I well, think. I mean, he was going to be out. Yeah. We, we don't need three right backs once we sign Trippier. But has he done um, enough? Has he done enough to be the backup to Trippier going forward? Do you think? Yes, I think he has at the moment. He's got to keep it going. There's another six games to go. I mean, it's a flick of a coin between him and Manquillo, uh, who looks much more smooth on the ball. But Kraft has done brilliant, and his attitude's been brilliant. I thought him and Target, the two fullbacks were excellent in the performance uh, against Leicester. Absolutely excellent. Well, shall we talk about my target? Obviously, various reports that there's a, a clause in the deal that yeah. means Newcastle have kind of first choice. I'm around about 15 million this summer. How has been asked about my target in the, in the press conference this morning. Eddie Howe spoke to the press and that's just starting to come through as we're recording now. So I'll mm. read a few lines from Eddie Howe and we'll start on my target and this is what Eddie Howe had to say. He says, and I quote, Matt's done very well. There are still games to play this season and opinions to be fully formed, but he's performed very well. He's fitted into the team and the group very well. He's been very consistent and we're very pleased uh, with him. So obviously Eddie Howe not showing his hand at the moment, but you of would course. think behind We're still not safe according no. to Eddie because that's the right thing to say. He says wonderful things about each individual player because that's the right thing to say. Um but I would take I would take him. Yeah. I mean I and you 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 imagine behind closed doors things are starting to it's probably work towards that deal getting complete. I I've been I've been surprised by by my target. You know, I thought he was a good addition in January. Yes. Um but he's performed above my expectation without a, without a doubt. Well, to be truthful, you know, I think a lot of Aston Villa fans were surprised that they went and signed a left-back from Everton when they had Target because Target was steady away at Villa and was liked by the Villa fans. Uh, and it seemed a, a surprising thing to do. He's brought balance to the side because... You know, early this season, there was no sign of Dummett. We never saw him. He was injured all the time. There, there was no balance. We had Richie in there, who was not a defender and would be the first to say that and was getting taken out time and time again defensively while having a wonderful attitude. Uh, so he's given us balance and reassurance. And, 
He's just played that position like a, a, an orthodox left back, which is something we didn't have with with Dummett injured, um, and and that's good, and we need that. And if we didn't take target, we've got to go and find a left back, and they're not that easy to find because they've almost got to be wingers as well these days. So I would settle for target and take target, and I think he'll not want to go back to Aston Villa. Because he's got a fight on with the with the other guy, and uh, Gerard's already shown his hand. Well, I think he's burnt his bridges there. You know, we previously mentioned what Gerard said about, um, you know, well, what Matt Target said about uh, his time at Aston Villa and, and kind of forcing through a move. Uh, and I always remember in the episode we did introducing Matt Target, my colleague down who covers Aston Villa, yeah. Ashley Priest, great lad, you know, very good at his job. He did say, however, that he wasn't too sure how Matt Target can handle fans. He said he, he can he, handle the fans. He said yeah. in many ways, many people thought maybe he was crowned, you know, Player of the Year because he didn't. There were no fans in the ground, and he he played better without that sort yeah. of pressure. I'll tell you what: in the first few games here at St James oh. Park, a sellout stadium with pressure on him as well at the start of his career at Newcastle. He's not handled it too badly, has he? Well, they also said they, a lot of people said they didn't think Eddie Howe might be able to handle 52,000, having had 10,000 in a Bournemouth. And it, when they were being cruel, that he was a very good small club manager, but was he going to be a big club manager, big in terms of the size of the crowd and stature and history, etc., etc.? He hasn't done too bad either, has he? Yeah. Well, there's a list of people who <laughs> haven't done too badly, and it but, is but great to see. People that they said mightn't be able to handle a big, big yeah. time in the pressure have handled it exceptionally well. It's it's you know, it's been a, it has just been a remarkable few months. You know, Newcastle right at the top of the the table. I think what the third when it comes to the points collected this year. Yep. Obviously, they're now going for their sixth uh, win in a row at St James's Park against Crystal Palace this Wednesday, and we will get onto that now. Um, Palace knocked out of the FA Cup semi-final join to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. They've a good side, and I've enjoyed watching them. I've, I've, you know, I've enjoyed seeing Patrick Vieira actually hit the ground running because you know he was linked to the Newcastle United job. He got the, the the Palace job, and a lot of people weren't sure about how it would go. A lot of people didn't think it was the the, the right move. However, you know they've, they've they've done very well in the FA Cup. They're looking really good on the eye. I think a lot of people. Forget about the job he had to do because they had a lot of players out of contract when he first rocked up. Yeah, and he's had did. to really rebuild. They won the same amount of points as Newcastle. I was going to. I was going to say if I can put in there, everybody's always kept telling me, and I can understand that how wonderful Crystal Palace are, how lovely they are to watch because they weren't particularly under Hodgson, and what a great future Vieira's got. Well, right now we're about to play each other and we're on exactly the same number of points, and Newcastle were ridiculed for half of the season by neutrals from from mm. south um uh, but and this this how well Vieira's done how well has how done how's yeah, done remarkably in, well i mean as well as Vieira, and they've got the same points and perhaps better than Vieira because he's had a bringers from bottom of the table and by in january we got knocked out at home in the fa cup by cambridge in the following week got tucked up and were second bottom of the league and we've gone from there to where we are now and tomorrow night when we play Crystal Palace we will be aiming for the best winning run at home in 18 years if we win again tomorrow night six successive matches it'll be the first time we've done league matches first time we've done that since the same period 
January to April in 2004 under Sir Bobby. So uh, never mind about how well Palace has done. I'm thinking we've done pretty well. And it's funny you should mention that because as luck would have it, I'm just reading here what Eddie Howe had to say on the prospect of getting six yeah. winning games in a row. He's been asked about that, obviously about Sir Bobby, and he says to do anything related to the name of Sir Boy Robson and try... Uh, I'll try that again, that doesn't mean... To do anything related to the name of Sir Boy Robson and try to achieve one of his milestones would be brilliant for us. Playing at home is such a unique, unique thing. Uh, it's a privilege. I couldn't really said it better. And he, you know, he will be aware of trying to emulate what Sir will. Bobby's done. Course and of course, in the, in the long run as well, he's trying to do what Sir Bobby did and take Newcastle into Europe, take Newcastle into the, to the top of the table. Yeah, because when Bobby took over, I think we were third bottom. Uh, we were struggling. I remember going up uh, to the Gosford Park Hotel in, because I knew Bobby ever so well. Uh, and sitting in his room and he's saying, Gibbo, we're going to go to Chelsea uh, at that weekend for the first game and then his first game at home was Sheffield Wednesday and he was on about the amount of work that had been done at Newcastle and how he had to revive Alan Shearer who was so dispirited because of the previous manager and wasn't playing in the right way for Alan himself and the job ahead and as we know, they lost narrowly at Chelsea, came home, scored eight, Shearer scored five, and we were up and flying and finished third top of the league and at one stage under Robson and played in the Champions League. These things can be done. Um, but yes, Palace have done, have done well. Uh, and there's two sets of thoughts about this game as far as I'm concerned, Andrew. One is the fact, will Palace be deflated? having got knocked out the FA Cup at the semi-final stage at the weekend because that's their season effectively over. They're not going to go down. They're not going to qualify for Europe. And they've had snatched from them an FA Cup final appearance, which is very rare for a club like Palace, as it's rare for us, etc. So it's to be treasured. So will they be deflated, think, what the heck have we got to play for? Against that... You've got the thought, can Newcastle United continue to buck the trend? They've won match after match after match at home. Everyone bar Everton by a single goal margin, 1-0 or 2-1. Can they keep doing that? Now, you can easily make out a case why Newcastle would draw with Crystal Palace, which would stop the six uh, wins in a, a row, or why they would win because Palace can be deflated and if Newcastle get an early goal, Palace can think, ah, well, what's it really matter? Uh, so it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, um, certainly Vieira will be boosted by Conor Gallagher coming back. Who what couldn't a player. Play. Fantastic oh, player. Fabulous player and couldn't play in the semi-final, obviously, because it was against his parent club. They've got Zaha, who is having a good goal-scoring season, etc. Et yeah, cetera. but he'll be coming up against Emil Kraft and he's going to have no who hope. We've just been talking about exactly. it. He's yes. going to have absolutely no hope there. Yeah, well, uh, which one will have no hope there? Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting, Palace at home. And... We've got to remember, yes, Howe's saying all the right things. Job's not done yet. A lot of matches still to play. Yes, the job is done. 
but he's absolutely right to suggest it isn't because we have got to keep a foot on the accelerator and we want to get points against Crystal Palace in a way to Norwich this coming weekend because of what's to come where we've got Liverpool you would expect Liverpool to win or the neutral would we've got Man City you would expect them to win because they're fighting each other for the title you've got Arsenal yes we could beat Arsenal but Arsenal could beat us and then we don't know what Burnley's going to be on the f on the final day. They might need home points to stay up, or they might already be down. So it, it's a, it's a tricky run in once we get past Norwich this weekend. So we want to remain unbeaten in these two games, and if at all possible, win them both. They've got some great players. We mentioned Sahar Gallagher, but they're just they're set up really well. And um, we're going to have Dan from the HLTCO podcast. Um, on the Everything is Black and White podcast later today. So watch out for that episode. That's a, a well-known Palace uh, podcast, uh, one of the most popular ones out there, I believe. So he's going to give us the, the Palace insight. So he might be able to better uh, answer the next question, John. But in terms of Newcastle's approach to this game, I mean, we look at the possession stats that against Leicester. Leicester had 69% possession Newcastle only 31. It's not the first time this season that that's happened. It used to be regular. Yes. Yeah, they're still getting these results but I'm just wondering going forward and it might not start at Palace but looking you know a little bit further into the future surely Newcastle are going to have to change their I, I, and I say that bearing in mind that Newcastle had more shots than Leicester they had more shots on target than Leicester they were more duels and more aerial battles but you, you, you can't if, you, if you're aiming to, to get places in the Premier League how long can that low percentage oh, the, game the, go on for there's no question Andrew there's no question but let me again emphasise that in January and it's only April we got beaten by a third division club in the cup at home and lost the following week in the league in uh, Audrey and we were second bottom we were terrified it, there wasn't the possibility of relegation it seemed like a certainty we lived and walked with fear and now when we're Friday, we're putting sunglasses on because of the, the sun coming over the top of the stand at St James's Park. We're third top of the, the form table. We're going for six wins on the trot. We're not going to complain about the fact that we don't have the ball enough. That will come. Stepping stones. That's what it's about. Stepping stones. And well, the next stepping stone will be to improve the squad in the summer with more adventurous, more... Uh, attack-minded players more comfortable on the ball and then we have more of the ball and then it goes on from there and there and there but it's stepping stones and believe you me after what I've had for 14 years and what I had in the first half of this season I'm very comfortable to sit throw the ball to Crystal Palace say, try to break us down and we'll smack you on the uh, on the counter mm. well it's working isn't it so I guess you know if it's not broke don't try and fix mm. it you mentioned there the summer and I, I was listening to the Monday Night Club on BBC Five Live last night and they briefly spoke about Newcastle and, and Chris Sutton raised the point, well, they're, they're performing so well. Does that throw kind of a spanner in the works for the summer where maybe Eddie Howe has a change of mind and say, well, actually, you know, four months ago, that player was going to go out the door, but now he's performing very well, is, so is, do I keep him? Isn't it amusing that all these uh, very famous hacks who are neutrals 
were ridiculous in Newcastle at the beginning of the season and say they're so bad and they've got such a load of deadbeats, they're certain to go down. And now the same players are too good for Newcastle and we need them buy in the summer. Neither situation is correct. Of course we can improve. What we Do you think we're going to win six on the trot at the beginning of next season at home if we don't buy players to improve? If you don't move forward, you move backwards. You don't stand still, you move backwards. And Newcastle United are a long way from being, you've just told us the stats, which prove they're a long way from being a quality, quality side. But they're a difficult side to beat. They can, there's going to be days, Andrew, with this particular side where everything goes wrong. Maybe everything went right against Leicester, but there's days like Spurs when we play away against Song and, and, and Kane where everything goes wrong and we get smacked five. So this has got to be improved. We need a centre-forward. We need a centre-half. We need a goalkeeper. We need a left-back who might well be target. Uh, but we need these people um, for us to get better and for us to be comfortable because we want to be comfortable mid-table from the start of next season. Yeah, we don't want to be looking... We, we don't want to be down the bottom and eventually second half of the season get to mid-table. We want to be comfortable from the start. Now, I've praised Patrick Vieira for the impact he's had at Palace. What I want to do is just briefly go back to his time at Nice and he obviously worked with Alan St. Maxwell and he had he some did. interesting things to say. He was about. critical, wasn't he? He was. So I've got the quote here and he said this back in 2019 and he says the issue with St. Maxwell is he thinks talent is enough to go to the highest level and then he went on to say he needs to work harder, he needs to make sacrifices, he needs to suffer and at the moment basically he doesn't do that. Now, I mean, I don't know what Sir Maxman's mind is like, but do you think that those comments maybe still sit with him and when he sees Vieira in the dugout, he'll be looking to maybe prove a point? I hope so. Uh, I definitely hope so. I can understand where Vieira was coming from. For a start, when you say you think talent's enough, um, I think that at that stage of his life with the Saint, I think he did think it was enough because he had more talent in his little finger than anybody else that we, he was likely to play against in, in uh, the French League. Um, and you've got to respect it when it comes from Vieira because he had huge talent, but nobody worked harder than Vieira in that midfield at Arsenal, mind. So he has a right to say something. If you've got David Ginola saying that, you can look at him and say, well, hey, wait a minute, when were you a grafter like but Vieira had earned the right to say that. And I think he was really wanting to shoot over the guy's bows and say, listen, you can be what you want to be, but certain things have got to improve. And if we're truthful, Andrew, this guy has told us, and I love Max, he's a guy, and I think he's got potential as a player. But this guy's told us he wants to win the Ballon d'Or. Well, he's not going to win the Ballon d'Or at the moment uh, unless certain things in his game consistently improve. Not improve in one match, consistently mm. improve. And I guess the context of those quotes, and unfortunately where I've got them from, the article doesn't quite pinpoint what the context was. But if if Vieira at that point was talking about the defensive side of St. Yep. Maximum's game, then we've all said it over the last few months, the last few sure, weeks. So sure, he's sure. not exactly wrong to a certain degree. I, I don't. I think they were both right to a certain degree. I think Vieira was absolutely right because defensively there's a lot to be done. Talent without you working at it is not enough. Mm. 
Uh, and haven't we all seen that? I mean, you know, without uh, Adam Ben Arthur, Laurent Robert, I mean, the talent they had was phenomenal. And on good days, they were absolutely sensational. But they had some maximum type days. And I look back at them, and I don't look back and, and dismiss them. I look back with a tinge of sadness to think, you did well and you lit up my world for a short time, but you could have lit it up permanently had you had that extra something. Mm, indeed. Um, I'm guessing no changes for you in this starting 11? Uh, no, I, I think probably not. Uh, if everybody's fit, uh, the only person that would push for a place, I would presume, would be Willick, having come on and, and produced what he produced. Um, the difficulty is, how do you shoehorn Willick in? Because you either play him for one of the other two, which is Joe Linton or Shelby, and it's very difficult to do that. Uh, you notice how Bruno doesn't even get a mention now. When we say who's going out, it, it's now Bruno and two others playing. Midfield. I'll be honest. I think it's. I think there's only one space in that midfield at the moment. Because uh, Joe Linton's Joe Linton's up there with Bruno. My view. I don't think he's quite with Bruno, but I think he's he's done brilliant. In, in terms in terms of I I know what uh, uh, starting uh, in that yes, eleven, not in I terms of talent you, and ability. And but. then what do you do with Willick? You can rejig the front three to get him in, say on the shoulder of Wood, etc. But you're going to change your style, and the style's been working. So I don't think that uh, Eddie will want to change that. He's very loyal to a winning side, so no, I don't think he will make any changes, and that would be totally acceptable. Uh, Willick would just come on again with time to have an influence on the game if he, if it become necessary. Uh, what's going to be interesting is that if you stick with Almirin, which I think he will, rather than Murphy, and you're playing the system, uh, this guy's fighting for his future this summer. So, mm. Because as we stand... And football's harsh and stats are harsh and, you know, footballers mightn't like stats. Um, he hasn't got an assist and he hasn't got a goal, so you often need something like that when you're a forward player, doesn't he? Got a bit of praise, though, did McGee after that Leicester performance. Yes, but we've got to get above a little bit of praise. We've got... This is a club we want to see get in the mid-table, win one of the domestic cups and then go on to the Champions League. I don't want a centre-forward with two goals. I don't want Miggy being wonderful because he gets a little bit of praise with no assists and no goals. That isn't steps forward. And privately, Eddie Howe is wonderful in his quotes about every one of his players. He gives them confidence, etc. But do you think he's sitting Monday to Friday with his staff in the office down at Benton and not saying... We're not getting. In, he's not doing enough. He's no. I, 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 there, he will be. Cetera, he will be. And well, if he isn't, uh, it, it, then we're in trouble. And Miggy does need to add more goals and assists to his game. But well, by the way, no, he doesn't need to add more. He needs to add, add some. some. <laughs> but we, you need workhorses in a team, and he's exactly that. Look, I think yes, but you but Bruno's a workhorse, but he's got an awful lot more than just a workhorse. Yeah, but he's, but he's I mean, he's not in the same. He's not in the same level as Bruno, is he? Like, no, I, no, I, look, but this we is... can get another one that's as good as Bruno in the summer to play in Almiron's place. I'm not saying there's no future from here, but his future here, if we are making steps forward, is a bench player coming on with impact. It's not a starter. I'm sure that debate will come on to this episode. Absolutely. Well, not this episode, this podcast. Many more times over the next few months. Uh, your score prediction, John, or your result prediction for, for Wednesday? Yeah, I said that it could quite easily be a draw on the law of averages because 
Newcastle have won five out of five and they're winning it by the narrowest of margins and can they keep doing that? But no, uh, I think Crystal Palace might be there for the taking after the huge disappointment, which is very difficult for a manager to get rid of in every individual mind. We could have been playing in the cup final, now we're not. What's left for the rest of the season? What can I get a cigar out at St James's Park in the deck chair? Um, I'm taking for Newcastle to get the sixth win. It will be hard fought and it will be close because that is the ability of this side. They can rise to the occasion, but they, they haven't got enough there to cruise it. So uh, I'm looking for a very narrow victory yet again. Do you know what I'm going to say? They're going to win, but I, I think they'll they'll win comfortably. That's what I'm going to go for. It's my dad's birthday as well, so... Oh, um, well, that's, that's, a, connect, that's a good reason. Connect, well, yeah. we'll just let the boys know before they kick exactly. off and celebrate for dad. Exactly. Do something for uh, for me, dad. That'll be spot on. Um, just before we finish, let's just talk about War Flag's display on Sunday. Yeah. David Kelly display, you know, that'll do David Kelly. You cannot put a price on that goal. For those listening who didn't see or don't understand the context, it was playing tribute to David Kelly's goal against Portsmouth back in 1992 when Newcastle really were on the verge of going down to the old third division mm-hmm. and uh, he scored 86th minute it was a wonderful goal ball, long ball down heads it on to Mick Quinn Mick Quinn plays it back into his path and a half volley into the corner at the Gallagate uh, David Kelly rushes towards the fans arms up arms out and that was the picture that um, was on the was Gallagate on the with that quote funny enough John um it was a scramble by War Flags to get that flag because they had one made in good time. It had gone missing, so they had to oh. quickly get another one made yeah. on Bank Holiday weekend as well. And it was a, a it was a nationwide uh, hunt to get it done, but it, it was pulled off uh, thanks to LNER as well. The train company made sure it got up to Tyneside in time, and thank goodness it did because it was a wonderful display. What did you make of it? And also just explain to our listeners, as someone who was covering the club back then, the importance of that goal? Oh, um, well, you know, we, we've talked about times in Newcastle's history when we could have gone off with a tangent completely a different direction to what we did. Uh, we talked about that when Newcastle uh, blew a 12-point lead to Manchester United for the Premier League title and finished runners-up. If we'd won the title that season, then it would have been... Newcastle would have gone in completely a different direction and would have been established as a top four club as regularly as it's possible to be. And it was because of Casper's dad, Peter, that we didn't. Because while I remember him getting chipped by Albert and love that, that particular season they came to Newcastle and won 1-0. Schmeichel played us on his own in the first half unbelievable performance to keep them in the game Canton or Nick the winner and the whole history and dimension of Newcastle was changed equally the other way on had we gone down into the third division or the third tier uh, where would we have been look at what has happened to Sunderland a club with a big following in fairness etc etc have been living longer than we would ever have thought possible in League One um, and it, it's a, you've got to come back from that. And if they come back from that via the playoffs this season, you then got to go through the championship. Which, which, and and they, if they don't, if they don't come up, 
They've got Derby County coming down now as well to add to the list of, of top former clubs that are now in League One. So uh, the situation can change. And getting back to St James's Park, which is all we care about, uh, the atmosphere is wonderful these days. What happens with war flags? The spectacle, if you just sit and look at it, it looks to I'm In the old days, I used to love seeing that on continental grounds or in Brazil or, you know, you'd sit on telly and say, oh, doesn't that look something, I would say to my, doesn't that look something else in the fans? And Oh, it, it's marvellous. And we have it here now. And um, yes, there was people when it first started, never on Tyneside, that say, oh, what's all that about? They've got the flags, they're second bottom of the league, they're hopeless, etc., etc. Enthusiasm before the game, the game kicks off and it's dire. Uh, those days have changed and they've changed because the crowd have helped to change those days mm. with their with their enthusiasm etc etc and it's a spectacle I mean I get in my seat early it's St James's because I want to see all that as well as see the game it is terrific and um, there's always something new that they come up with uh, and that's that's gorgeous and um well done for putting in all the effort to get the, the substitute flag. I didn't know about that. Uh, but it does make us stand apart. And believe you me, players that have come and played for Newcastle, everybody from Chris Wood through to Bruno, are so appreciative of the atmosphere and the passion on the ground that it helps. It helps players to come here and it helps to keep players here. Mm. Because eventually, you want players to come here, Bruno... But we want them to stay here. You know, I mean, a couple of seasons' time, we want them not to use this as a stepping stone to go and play for a Champions League side in the top four. You want them to want to stay with us because we are going to be that Champions League side in the top four. 100%. And David Kelly was at St James's Park as well on Sunday, so he got to see it. There's a yeah. wonderful piece on our website. Lee Ryder caught up with David after the game and uh, Kelly had absolutely no idea what was going on he was urged to get back to uh, to get to his seat early and he had a pint in his hand goes the story and uh, he was wondering why do I need to get my seat and he goes out and he sees the flag you know such an important moment in Newcastle's United's history such an important goal and great that War Flags could pay tribute and give a bit of a history lesson to maybe the younger fans who maybe don't even know who David Kelly is, but believe me, he was one of the, the best goal scorers this club has ever had, of course, apart from that top level, but he didn't half score some important goals. Um, that is the end of this episode of the Everything is Black and White podcast. John, thank you very much for joining us. Not as John. Pay. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can see what Eddie Howe has said in his pre-match press conference this morning. And please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through your podcast provider.